Well, good morning, everybody. And this morning, we're going to, uh, I want to minister to you guys on, on walking in faith. And I've subtitled it that sometimes you have to step out of the boat. You see, because we, we talk about faith and we talk about belief. And the truth is that there's actually a, a difference between belief and faith. Now, belief is more of a concept. You know, you can believe in the Easter Bunny. You can believe in Santa Claus. You can believe in stuff. But faith requires action. Faith is, is the next step. Faith is, is a mixture of belief and, and a, a confidence in what you're believing. You know, the Bible says faith is uh, the assurance of things hoped for. It gives you, faith gives you confidence to believe in what you can't see. So faith does more than just simple the concept of belief, but faith requires action. Faith means stepping out into what you say you believe in. Now first, before I get too far into this, I want to recognize that we oftentimes use the word belief and faith interchangeably. And this isn't a time to, uh, to from here on out, when somebody says, I believe something, go, no, 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 you should have faith. Or, this is, let's not make it a, a, a craziness. It's just using it to illustrate the point that I'm trying to make, is that, that real faith, true faith, demands action. It demands that, that stepping out. Because the truth is, it's, it's really easy to claim to have faith. It's super easy to say that you have faith. It's super easy to read that we need to have faith. But it's a, and quite another thing to live that faith out. And I'm sure we've all seen people that they'd claim to have faith. They, they claim to trust God, but everything that you see in their life says something different. You know, they, they, they say that they, they trust God for their for their well-being, but they're, they're really putting all their trust in their job. And, and if they lose their job or they have a, a bad moment, then their world has come to an end. But faith demands that, we, that, we, that in that, that trust in God, that we live that out, that there's action involved in it. It's more than just something we say, but it's something that we do. And as Christians, we need to walk the walk and not just talk the talk. When we say that we believe the Word of God... We need to make sure that we're living that out in our lives and it's not just lip service. It's not just something that, that we tell our friends or we tell other believers so that, so that we look like we fit in, but it's something that we're actually living out. You know, what got me thinking about this was this story here when, we're, when Peter was on the boat and Jesus was walking on water. In Matthew 14, 25 through 29, it says, And in the fourth watch of the night he came to them walking on the sea, speaking of Jesus, but when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. See, this is a story that got me thinking about faith versus, versus just simple, the simple concept of belief. Because in this case, walking out his faith, something Peter literally had to do. He had to take that step. He had to, to walk on water. There's no other person besides Jesus can make that claim. And you have to imagine that when Peter's sitting on this boat, they look out, it says that they were terrified when they saw what they saw. They saw Jesus walking on the water. That's not something you see every day. That's not, I mean, at this point, they're even crying, it's a ghost. I mean, who could this be? What is, what is out there? And Jesus says, hey, don't worry, it's me. It's me, guys, don't worry. Now, at this, at this moment, 
they have to make a choice to believe or not to believe. They have to decide, is that really Jesus or am I seeing, am I seeing something else? Are my, my eyes deceiving me? I mean, that's the first thing that, especially in this day and age, if we saw something like that, we're looking for ropes, we're looking for wires. We're, we don't believe that someone's actually walking on water. We're looking for the smoke and mirrors. There's no belief in there. But Jesus calls out and he says, it's me, don't worry. So they have to make a choice. They continue to be scared. They can continue to be fearful or they can believe that it's, that it's him. But how many of you know it's, it's easy to say, oh yeah, I believe that's Jesus. I believe that's him. When nothing is required other than to say, I believe. But Peter takes the next step. It's not just simple belief for him, but he has faith that leads to an action that proves that what he says is true. He's going to show that he actually believes that it's Jesus. He says, Jesus, if that's you, tell me to come out on the water. Now at that point, when he's standing at the edge of the boat, he's got to make a decision. Do I really believe that Jesus? Or am I, am I scared? Like the story that I told last week about the, the guy pushing the, the wheelbarrow across Niagara Falls. How many know that that little boy, there's no doubt in my mind that the people watching it could say that they honestly believed that he could carry a man across the tightrope in a wheelbarrow. And for those who are listening, I'm going to explain the story again. There's the man pushing the, 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 the sack of potatoes or whatever across Niagara Falls on a tight line in a wheelbarrow. And he's walking back and forth across Niagara Falls and he comes to the crowd and he says, how many of you believe that I could press, push a man in this wheelbarrow across this tightrope? And he looks at this, this young boy and he says, do you believe that I could do it? And the little boy goes, yes, sir, I believe that you could push a person in that wheelbarrow across the tightrope. He says, all right, well, if you believe that, get in the wheelbarrow. See, there's no doubt that the little boy believed that that man could do it. But now it's requiring faith when he, when he has to be the one to get in the wheelbarrow. Same for Peter here. This is, it's easy to say, I believe that that's you, Jesus. But it's a whole other thing to step out onto the water. And Peter gets to demonstrate his faith at that point because faith at this point demands an action. It demanded that he stepped in the water at that point. He says, command me to come out to you. And then we see in the story that the key to stepping out in faith, to taking that step out on that water, is to keep your eyes on Jesus. So we all know the rest of the story, right? Peter's doing great at first. He's walking on water. And then he starts looking around and he sees, he says, wait a minute, I'm not, I don't have anything to step on. I'm walking on water. He looks and he sees the waves coming in. He sees that he's away from the boat and he's away from the shore. And what he stopped doing was keeping his eyes on Jesus. And he began to sink. His faith wavered. His belief wavered. And he, he begins to sink and he cries out to Jesus. And Jesus grabs his hand and says, and says, you of little faith, why did you doubt? You know, why did you stop believing? And we can step back and we can look at that and go, man, why did, why did Peter doubt? He was with Jesus. I mean, if I was with Jesus, I wouldn't doubt anything. I'd have been out there doing the mamba out there on that lake. But the truth is, we'd all be in the same situation. We're no different than Peter. Matter of fact, there's a lot of things we can look at in this story that even though Peter had a moment of failure, a moment of doubting, and how many of us have not had moments of doubting in our lives? 
But the things that we can look at is one, Peter stepped out. Peter walked on water. Nobody else can make that claim. And then the next thing that we see Peter doing is when he began to sink, what's the first thing that he did? He called out to Jesus. When he started to sink. You see, the thing with, with Peter is that as soon as he started to sink, he recognized that he had a problem and he called out to Jesus. You know what most of us do? Instead of calling out to Jesus in a clear voice, we're like, <laughs> as we're completely underwater at that point. We were sinking and we're like, oh, stuff's getting rough, but I can still do this. I can do it on my own. I don't need to trust in something else. And then we're drowning before we call out to Jesus. I think that's a great example that we should call out to Jesus when it starts to get rough. You know, we can claim to believe many things conceptually as well. But to have our actions, or our actions either give evidence for our belief, our faith, or they contradict our belief. It's easy to say that I believe marriage is once and for all, but look for the easy way out as soon as going gets tough. When things are going great, it's easy to say that, yeah, I'm all for marriage. But when stuff gets rough, oh, we're looking for a way out. It's easy to say, I believe God will provide for my family, but place all of our trust in our employer. You know, the first time something bad happens, we start freaking out and we're scared. We don't know what to do instead of just trusting God. It's easy to say that I believe in the Bible wholeheartedly, but only pick and choose the bits that you want to follow. You see, Peter said, Jesus, I believe that's you. And then he did the next thing. He, his faith demanded an action to prove that this is what he believed, what he said he believed. And he stepped out into the water. On water, not ice. This was liquid. And he walked on it. How many know you can't walk on water without God? And you can't walk on water without faith and trusting in God? In 2 Corinthians 5.7 it says, For we walk by faith and not by sight. You see, as Christians, everything that we do should be the result of faith. We are saved as a result of faith. We are made well. We, we can live in healthiness as a result of faith. We are provided for as a result of faith. Matter of fact, the Bible says that anything that is not of faith is, of, is sin. So what, is it, what does it mean to say that we walk by faith and not by sight? Because that's an easy thing to say. A little bit harder thing to understand what's going on there. What does it mean that we walk by faith and not by sight? Well, here's some examples. Our circumstances says that we don't have enough money to pay the bills. But faith says that He will provide for us no matter what. You know, our, our vision, our earthly vision says that I just don't have enough I don't have enough month at the end of this paycheck. Or paycheck at the end of this month. However that goes. Yeah. Got way too much month at the end of my paycheck. Is that what it is? That's the circumstances. That's, that's looking. But faith says that God will provide for me. He'll never leave me or forsake me. Now people might think you're crazy. Because they'll look and they'll say, Hey, you don't have enough money. And they'll think you're crazy if you are calm and collected and trusting God. Circumstances might say that, that we are ill, that we're sick right now. But our faith says that no, by His stripes I have been made whole. 
And people will say, no, you're crazy. I can see that you have, that you have a sinus infection. No, I believe that I am, I am whole right now. Faith says I am whole. That's walking by, by faith and not by sight. Our circumstances might say that, that we have failed. But faith says that we are victorious. See, to walk by faith is to not let circumstances determine your attitude, but rather faith determines your attitude. We don't waver when the circumstances come against us because we know that God is for us. We can remain in our joy instead of wallowing in self-pity. You can hold on to that joy when everything seems to be falling down around you. And people will think you're crazy, but they'll envy you at the same time. They'll want what you have. They'll, they won't be able to understand that how you can be so calm. Matter of fact, I was just uh, talking to a gentleman at work, and he said, you know, I'm not, he's not a believer. He says, I'm not a believer. I don't believe in God. He says, and he knows my stance, but he's like, you know, that's how I believe. No offense to you or anything like that. You know, he goes through the whole spiel, trying not to offend me. And he says, but I don't believe in God. He said, but you know what? I've seen people that have faith that is just absolutely unwavering, almost fanatical levels of faith. And, and no matter what's going on, they're just not concerned. They continue to trust God. And he's, you know, it's funny, he says it as, a, as almost a negative thing, like they're crazy for thinking that way. But then he says, but sometimes I wish that I could have that attitude. You know, and he goes, he says, you know, they even, you know, they even have like crazier levels than what I see in you. And I'm like, you have no idea what I'm willing to trust God for. <laughs> if, if you saw how I was living right now, you have no idea what I'm willing to trust God for. But, he says, I wish I could have that attitude. So, well, let me tell you about Jesus. <laughs> he doesn't want to hear it. <laughs> but that's faith. It, it's not our circumstances that determine our attitude. It's, it's faith, our trust in God that can let us keep our joy. You can have peace when your world is falling down around you. Because you see, our entire existence is defined by faith. Hebrews 11, 1 through 3 says, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. See, our faith is what assures us of those things that we can't see. Faith is what allows us to have confidence in what we believe. It's what drives us to action. It's what drives us to continue walking in joy and walking in peace, even when everything seems to be falling down around us. It's what allows us to walk without being concerned if our circumstances don't line up with the Word of God at this moment in time because that even this entire world did not exist at one point, but at the Word of God was created. What was not seen, God spoke and it was created. I tell you what, if, if God creates nothing or creates something out of nothing, an entire world and people, and, and you know, if you just take any moment and look at how complex this world is, I'm, I really don't think he's going to have a problem making sure I can pay rent. James 1.22-24 says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. You know, you're deceiving yourself if you're just a hearer of the word. If you're just a hearer and say, oh, I believe that, but you never live any of it out, you're deceiving yourself, the Bible says. I didn't say it. The Bible says it. 
says, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forget what he was like. You see, faith in the word, faith in the Bible, demands that we be more than hearers, but that we be doers of the word. And even the world understands this. Even the world understands that if you believe the Bible, that you should be doing it. Matter of fact, if you ever want to know what you can't do as a Christian, just ask the world. They'll tell you what you're not allowed to do. They all know it. This is why many Christians are viewed as hypocritical. Because they, they claim to believe in the Bible, but every one of their actions says something different. None of their actions back up what they say they believe, but even worse, most of their actions contradict what they believe. It's even worse than not just doing it, but they're doing in direct opposition to what the Bible says. And they might even actually believe what the Bible says, but there's no conviction, there's no real faith. They don't have that assurance, because there's no real faith. You see, when we, when we hear the Word, we find out who we are. That's the only way you can find out who you are in Christ is spend time in the Word. You find out that you're victorious. You find out that you have joy. You find out that you have peace that surpasses understanding. We find the promises of God for us. And when we don't live out what the Word says about us, when we act in opposition to that, it's like forgetting who we are. I mean, the, the analogy is so perfect. You look into a mirror and you see your face and you, you recognize who you are, but as soon as you turn away, as soon as you walk away, you completely forget what you look like. You forget who you are. And that's the same thing when you spend time in the Word. You're, you're looking at yourself. You're seeing what God says about you. But if you don't ever live that out by faith, if you just read it like it's a storybook, then you forget who you are as soon as you walk away. Jesus described it like this. In Matthew 13, 1-8, He said, The same day Jesus went out to the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered about Him so that He got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach, and He told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And as He sowed, some seeds fell along the path. The birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. You see, when you hear the word, it can be stolen from you. It can fall on shallow soil and never grow any root. It can be drowned out by the world. That's the, the ones that were choked out. And these, these three produce someone who is only a hearer and not a doer of the word. When you have it stolen from you or it's choked out or, or it never finds a good place to grab root, it's, it's taken from you, you're just a hearer of the Word and not a doer. But it says, or it can fall on fertile soil and produce fruit. You know, when it falls on fertile soil, they hear the Word and they combine it with faith. And because faith demands an action, fruit is produced. They begin to live out the Word. They're a doer of the Word. And their faith produces an action. The reason why is, is when a tree grows fruit, you can see the fruit. You can see faith in someone's life. 
you see that fruit. Because it's not just a concept. It's a reality of walking and living. James 2, 14 through 17 says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed, sister, sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warm and filled, without giving them the thing needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Now first and foremost, I want to make it clear that he's not talking about Salvation by works. Works will not save you. Doing stuff, doing the right thing, living the perfect life, none of that stuff will save you. Salvation is a result of faith and only faith in the free gift of Jesus Christ. When we try to add anything to what Jesus has done, we're basically claiming that he's not done enough. Anytime you want to add your little bit and say that, man, Jesus died for me, but what I just did was really, really bad. I've got I to gotta have some penance or I've got to do these things. You're basically saying, Jesus, what you did was great and all, but let me go ahead and finish that up for you. You did good, but now it's time to, to call in the pitch hitter. Romans 5, 1 through 2 says, therefore since, we have been just, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. How have we been justified? By faith. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Salvation and justification is by faith and faith alone. So if that's the case, and there's scripture after scripture that will back that up, if that's the case, then what is James saying? He said, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? He's basically questioning their faith. Because what have we talked about today? Faith demands actions. Faith is visible. Faith produces fruit. Faith in us produces works. We don't work to be saved. We work because we have been saved. If a man clams, clams, if a man claims to have faith, but there's no evidence of that, then does he really have faith? Now, don't get me wrong, this is not for you and I to go around pointing at people saying, ah, you don't really have faith, I've seen what you do. This is, this is not what the point of this message is. And, and truthfully, to judge a man's heart is not for any of us to do. God alone can judge a man's heart. But James is trying to do some little shock in all taxes. He's, he's trying to make a point. If he claims to have faith, where's the proof? Where's the evidence? He's dealing with a bunch of people that are just spouting off at the mouth. They're basically saying, oh, I believe Jesus. That means I can do whatever I want. There's people like that in the world today. They've taken the idea of grace so far, the pendulum swung so far to one side that they figured that, that, that they, they have a license to sin now instead of freedom from sin. He's like, where's your faith? Why, if you have faith that Jesus Christ made you brand new, why is there no evidence? Why is it the same old you? In this case, he's talk, his example that he uses is, is a brother and sister is poorly clothed, lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed, and, and be filled. Basically what he's saying is, as you see them hurting, 
you have the means to help them and you say, I hope you find it somewhere. But faith says that no, if you love them, you'll take care of them. Christ gave you everything. The least you can do is clothe somebody and feed them and make sure that they're taken care of. Matter of fact, that'll be God providing for them through you. It's not very often when somebody's hurting, when somebody's needing, that, that man is going to fall out of heaven and take care of them. Matter of fact, it's one of the few times that God materializes anything for people. Otherwise, it's done through us. We provide, God uses us to reach people. And we do it because God gave us so much. How could we not? So much was given to us. How could we not express that to somebody else? John 13.35 says, By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. If they were really Jesus' disciples, then they would be taking care of this person. Matter of fact, Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? That's what he's saying here, that faith by itself, if it does not have any works, is dead. What he says is faith without any evidence, faith without any associated action, is dead because it's not really faith. It's just lip service. So then he goes on to say, in, in James chapter 2.18, James says this, he says, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works, saying, no, you do it your way, I do it my way. So James says, all right, I'll tell you what, you show me your faith apart from, from your works, but I'll show you my faith by my works. I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. Because faith always produces evidence in somebody's life. Faith always demands action in somebody's life. Has your faith produced a change in you? Or are you just a clanging gong? Are you just providing lip service? Are you just telling everybody how Jesus has changed your life and you've been made brand new and you believe all these things, but nothing has actually changed in your life? Are we like the Pharisees who, who talked a good game, but they were actually hypocritical? You know, Jesus says that you, you tithe all of your, your stuff, but you go ahead and let the widows be without your parents need help and you ignore them. But on the surface, you look like you're doing the right things. That's lip service. That's not real faith. Matter of fact, works is what we were created for. Like I said, works does not save you, but you were created for good works. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are His workmanship, created in Jesus Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You know, we were created in Christ for good works. We didn't produce our good works so we could be recreated in Christ. It's, you, gotta put the, the, you can't put the cart before the horse. So you're never going to get anywhere. But because we are saved, because we've been made brand new, God created us for His workmanship to do good works, to, to have faith that shows evidence. And Matthew 7, 24-27, it says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. And the rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. See, hearing the word and doing it, 
Basically, your face, your face, your faith, I'm having issues today more than usual, I think. Your faith in action is the foundation of your success. Your, your faith in action, living out your faith, is this foundation that you're talking about right here. If you want your Christian life to be founded on a rock, walk out your faith, live your faith. You see, obedience is the evidence of faith. If you, if you believe what God says, you're going to be obedient to Him. It demands an action. But if you don't believe His Word, then you'll go ahead and continue doing whatever you want to do. But obedience is the evidence of faith. And if you have faith in the Word of God, it demands that you be obedient. It's as simple as that. But when we hear the Word, and it produces no action, there's no obedience in us, then we are like this foolish man. This one right here where he, he built his house on the sand. Irreverence, unbelief, disobedience, all these things are, are building your house on sand. And you know what? When the sun is shining, this man's house that was built on the sand, everything looked great. When the sun was shining, his house stood tall and he could do whatever he wanted. Things were... And he looked on the outside looking in. He had it all figured out. But as soon as the storms come, and I want you to notice something, the wise man and the foolish man had the same storm hit their house. Being a Christian doesn't excuse you from storms. You're still going to deal with the storms of life. But the difference is your house will stand while the wise man's or the foolish man's house will be torn apart. As a believer, you're equipped to withstand whatever comes your way. It's your faith, your obedience to the Word of God that is your, your solid rock, the solid rock, your foundation to ensure that you keep on standing. And the only way to have that solid foundation is to live out your faith. In Matthew 17, 19 through 20, when the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? He said to them, because of your little faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. If you remember this story, this is about the, the little boy who was thrown under the fire by a demon. And the disciples couldn't cast it out. We see here that it was their littleness of faith. They didn't, have a, they didn't believe that they could do what Jesus said they could do. And they were unable to cast out this demon. So Jesus took care of it. It says he rebuked the demon it came out of him. But what we see is that Jesus demonstrates that, that faith requires action. He says that if you, had faith, <clears throat> if you had faith like a grain of a mustard seed, you will do what? You will say to this mountain. He didn't say if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, mountains would just move out of your way. He says, no, you would say to the mountain and it would move out of your way. It would be cast into the sea. You see, faith is more than just praying and begging God to move. You never see Jesus say, you know, if you would just say, God, pretty, pretty, please move this mountain out of the way. Please, Lord, remove this mountain. That it will be moved out of the way if you have enough faith. He says, no, say to the mountain. Pastor Mike always says that we need to stop telling our God about our problems. We need to start telling our problems about our God. Say to your mountain. Jesus doesn't tell him to ask God to move the mountain for him. 
He doesn't say, you know, if it's God's will, then the mountain will move. He tells him to speak to the mountain. And it would be, with faith, it will be picked up and cast into the sea. But you know what? To have that faith, you actually got to say something. I was thinking about it this morning when I was praying. And I've always felt weird saying stuff like, Lord, I want to see, you know, just like in the book of Acts, let us, let us see thousands being added to your number daily. Because in my head, I get this check right away, like, thousands, that's a lot. Is that out of the realm of my experience or possibility? Is that, I'm just being real with you. I have, I have moments of, of, of unbelief as well. Everybody does. The, the key is, is what do you do with it? Does your, is your, your uh, faith muscle bigger than your unbelief muscle? Or do you let that unbelief consume you? And this morning I went, no, I'm going to say this with confidence. I'm going to say this with boldness because there's nothing too big for my God. And I'm asking God that we would see that many salvations, that we'd see our church grow, that we would see people come to the Lord in the thousands. Pastor Wayne, that's crazy. You can't even fit 50 people in your house. God will provide. I'm not going to, I want to stop trying to limit God by what I think is possible. Instead, believe what God says is possible. You know, this is why when we pray for the sick, we don't beg God to heal them. We don't say, Lord, please heal them. We say, thank you, Father, that they are healed. We take authority over that sickness and we rebuke it and we curse it in the name of Jesus because it has no right to be there. It's hard to, to speak to cancer and to tell it to leave somebody's body. That's a hard thing to say. That's another one of those things. Like when, you, when we say that, do we really, I mean, it takes a lot to stand in front of somebody, praying for them and say, I rebuke you, cancer in the name of Jesus, go. Because if you don't believe it, that'll just make you feel crazy. Like you're losing your mind. But the truth is that there's no problem too big for God. This is why that when we're tempted, we should audibly proclaim our freedom. Say it out loud. When something's bothering you, say, no, whom the Son sets free is, is free indeed. I'm a new creation. You have no hold over me. Say it out loud. Yell it if you have to. If we feel unclean, audibly proclaim your holiness, your justification that you were bought with a price. You see, with faith, even a small amount like a grain of a mustard seed. We're unstoppable. As long as we'll put our our trust and faith in God and actually walk it out. In 2 Corinthians 4.13, it says, Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. Also, We also believe, so we also speak. Speak it out. Say to your mountain. Take that step of faith. When we say those kind of things, it's just like Peter stepping into the water. When we proclaim what is unseen as what is seen. So here's some examples in the Bible when we talk about people that are actually walking out their faith. And we'll just, there's, we could spend all day looking at people exercising their faith in the Bible, but we'll just look at a couple. Some of the really big ones, the important ones, is one is the faith of Abraham. Genesis 22, 1-3 says, After these things, God tasted, tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. 
And he said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering, and he rose and went to the place which God had told him. How would you feel if you were praying one day and God said, I want you to sacrifice your son? Now, the Bible makes it sound like he's like, righty-ho, and just went ahead and did it. You know, it just says, well, he got up the next morning to go do it. But I imagine that there was some turmoil inside of Abraham. That there was some struggling. There was some, some fighting. But he believed God. Matter of fact, the Bible says that, that he believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. The very same reason that we are righteous is the same reason he was, is by faith, his trust in God. So he's being asked to do an incredibly horrific thing. And it's funny, I look at this and you're like, Man, how could God ask anybody to do that? And thank God we know the rest of the story, it doesn't work itself out, but God did it himself. He sent his son to die for us. Matter of fact, Isaac is a type and shadow of Jesus. An only son being offered up. But I'm sure after a long night of tossing and turning, he decides that, you know what, I'm going to trust God. Now it's one thing to say you trust God. It's another thing to put your son down on an altar and get ready to kill him. But he does that. His, the faith that God wanted to see demanded an action. It demanded that he stood up and put his son on an altar. You see, the, we find that the reason that he was able to do this in Hebrews eleven seventeen through 19 Paul says, But by faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. He who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, Through Isaac shall your offspring be named. And he considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. Abraham's like, all right, God wants me to do this terrible thing, but God has made me a promise. He said that I'll be the father of many nations, and it's going to come through my son Isaac. Obviously, we have a uh, conflict of interest, should Isaac be dead. But God made the promise, so I figure if I have to kill my son and, and, and tr prove that I believe God, then God will bring him back. I mean, God already promised me that I would be the father of many nations through my son. And actually, when you, when you think about it logically, you're like, that doesn't seem like it would take much faith. I mean, it makes sense. God promised. He said he was going to do it. So it doesn't matter what happens, Isaac, it's going to happen. And, but man, actually living that out is a whole different story than the, uh, than the flow chart on paper. You see, it's, it's quite easy to say you believe God but quite another day. And I pray to God, my faith is never tested in this manner. Because I've said it before, if it was up to my son to save the world, there's a good chance we'd all be going to hell. Because I'm not sure I could do it. You guys ever heard of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Great story. In Daniel 3, 16-18, says Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning 
fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Basically, the story is here is these guys are continue to, to still worship their God. They're still worshiping the one true God. And Nebuchadnezzar's got these golden images set up, and, and he's saying that if you don't bow to my gods, then you guys you get to die. So these three get caught worshiping their God. And they get brought before the king. And he says, you have a choice. You can either bow down to the, to the, to the golden image and, and worship my gods, or you can be thrown into the fire. Now I figure that the only thing that could have been a greater threat to these guys is that the king said, well, you can either worship my gods, or I will make you do public speaking. Because statistically, public speaking is the only thing that people are scared of more than burning to death. Did you know that? Maybe you should ask them to do some public speaking. They would have, they would have gave in. You guys laugh, but Jesus even tried to get my wife up here to say something. People are terrified of public speaking. But I digress. That's not what we're talking about. I can't believe you distracted me like that, John. <laughs> Their faith was so great that they were getting ready to be thrown into a fire. Now, I can't think of a worse way to die, honestly. The, the, I mean, I've just burnt my finger on the stove, and I know how much pain that caused. But what did they say? He says, you know what, God, you know what Nebuchadnezzar? You do what you're going to do because one or two things is going to happen. One, the God we serve will be able to deliver us from this fiery furnace. Or two, he will deliver us out of your hand and we will be with him. There are two options. One, he's going to deliver us from this fire or we get to go be with God. doesn't seem like you really have much to offer me. I'll pick one of those two. But they made that choice and they said, no, we believe God. And Nebuchadnezzar gave them an opportunity to walk in that faith. You say you believe God, now prove it. And you're going to have to go into the fire. As a matter of fact, they make, it makes the king so angry that they're willing to, to trust their God that he says that he heats the furnace up seven times hotter than it normally is. Which I guess would probably be a blessing. You'd die seven times faster, I'm assuming, and it would hurt a whole lot less. But nonetheless... They decided to stick with their guns to continue trusting God. And if you know the rest of the story, the, they throw three in there, and the king says, wait a minute, I thought we just threw three in there, but I see four, as Jesus was in there with them in the flames protecting them. And they came out alive. And matter of fact, their demonstration of faith changed the king's heart. And he turned to their God. I want you to know that your demonstration of faith can do the same thing in other people's lives. In Luke 8, 43-48, we find the story of the, the woman with the, the issue of the blood. It says there was a woman who had a, had a discharge of blood for 12 years, and though she had spent all of her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, Who was it that touched me? And when all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowd surrounds you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him, and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. You see, this is a tough thing for this woman, because when you have this problem for 12 years in a small town, people know what's going on in your life. They know that she's unclean. She's ceremonially unclean. If anybody touches her, 
then they can't go into the temple and worship God. They are ceremonially unclean until they go through the whole process. This is a big deal, especially in that culture. Just for her being out in the crowd, they could stone her for that. But she braves the crowd. Then on top of that, if you read a little bit before this, Jesus is actually already out on a mission for uh, Jarius, I think is his name, the... the uh, He's a, he's a synagogue leader. He's a, one of the translations is a ruler. He's, he's high up there in the Jewish uh, religion. He's, he's the leader of that synagogue. And Jesus is going to save his daughter. And she gets in the way. I mean, that takes a little bit of braveness to stand in front of one of those leaders knowing that one, just being out in the crowd, they could kill you. And two, if his daughter dies because you stopped Jesus, it doesn't matter that you got healed. They're going to kill you anyway. She's walking out her faith. She believed that Jesus could touch her life and she is walking it out. See, her faith demanded action and she walked out in it. And because of that, he says, what has made her well? Her faith made her well. It was her faith. Her willingness to trust God made her wellness a reality in her life. Jesus did not set out to heal her that day. Matter of fact, he didn't even make a conscious decision to do it. Other times he said, if you can make us well, if you're willing, you can make me well. And he says, I am willing. And he heals them. He didn't even make the conscious decision to heal this lady. She reached out and took it by faith. Sometimes we need to remember that we need to operate in an aggressive faith. See, what was the, the enemy telling her this whole time that she deserved what she had? That she wasn't worthy. She wasn't worth it. She was unclean. Nothing could be done for her. Look, you already went to, you spent your entire life savings on physicians, putting your trust in them, and nothing could be done for you. So she decided to, to operate with an aggressive faith. In Matthew eleven twelve, it says, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violent, and the violent men take it by force. Sometimes you have to be aggressive in your faith and step out where others would think you're crazy, doing things that others think that you should never do, but trust God with an aggressiveness. And we'll go ahead and finish on this verse. In John 14, 12, it says, Truly, truly, I say to you, this is Jesus speaking, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. With faith, we can do anything. If we will trust God, the Bible says that not only can we do the works that Jesus does, but we'll do greater works than He does if we will trust Him. But you know what? That means that sometimes you have to open your mouth. You have to step out in faith. Sometimes you're going to have to step out onto the boat, onto the water. You're going to have to do things that the people are going to think you're crazy. And for a brief moment, you might think yourself is crazy. But being obedient to the Word of God and stepping out of faith is demanded of us to be disciples. It's not an option that we can choose. We can't say, oh, I believe God and sit back on our blessed assurance for the rest of our lives. Jesus said, whoever believes in me will as a result do the works that I do. He doesn't say you'll be able to do the works that I do. He says you will do the works that I do and greater works you will do. Faith demands action 
And this action is us doing the works of Jesus and even greater than that. Amen? Praise God. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet.